So last week, I had the opportunity to talk with my editor, Ariel Curry, about the behind the scenes of making a book. And that's super cool because I am so excited that Mastermind Unlocking Talent Within Every School Leader is here. Uh, it is a book that is talking about how we are redefining how school leaders experience professional development because everybody wins when a leader gets better. Everybody wins when you get better. This week, it's similar. Not so much the behind the scenes of you know, how a book is made, but one of my newest friends, Megan Gardner, who joined me on the podcast, I think it was in July for a bonus episode, talking about uh, how you could use story to transform your school. She's amazing. I'm so glad I'm connected to Megan now. She asked me, hey, your book's coming out. Let me interview you and just talk about, you know, the book creation process, who you are as a kid, like just, you know, just to be curious, right? And then, and anyways, dig into that. So that's what this episode's all about. I had a lot of fun. Megan even hit me with a question where I was like, that's a really good question. <laughs> and I realized in that moment, people say that because they really need to think deeply about what they were just asked. And so that was really fun to experience as someone being interviewed versus being the interviewer. Hey, it's Daniel, and welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after a quick message from our show sponsors. to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and lead your teams with Harvard Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get world-class Harvard faculty research specifically adapted for pre-K through 12 schools. Self-paced online professional development that fits your schedule. Apply now for our October 2021 and February 2022 cohorts at com slash Harvard. During COVID, Every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose virtual PD is equipping thousands of teachers with the skills they need to create engaging, equitable, and rigorous virtual or blended classes. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. Hey, Ruckus Maker. Now listen, this is a segment I tried before, and uh, I'm not going to do this for every tip of the week, but some quick context. So back in the day, uh, one of the first... Um, people helping behind the scenes was an awesome former superintendent. Her name was Kelly. She was doing a tip of the week. And we had a vision of what BLBS could become. And for a variety of reasons, very positive reasons, you know, she's, she's pursuing a different path. The vision is now coming true. And from the chief ruckus maker seat, I couldn't be more thrilled that it's happening with Kareen Baldwin. And she's, here's the, here's the reason why it's not a vision anymore. Like we're doing it. 
So when I say this is an expert coach, Kareen has a group of the mastermind that's already running. You may have heard her podcast episode where we talked about redefining what it means to be a woman in ed leadership and what it means to be courageous, daring, and brave. And she stewards that group with such a big heart. They're in such great hands. Like, honestly, that's the biggest, best professional milestone to date that has happened because it's about impact. It's about scale, serving more ruckus makers. And I couldn't do it without great help. And I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else first um, besides Kareen. So that's, again, I'm not going to give this long uh, intro every time, but the the context is really important. And I'm sure you hear the passion in my heart and my voice. So expert coach, leader of ANOVA, which is the cohort. And who knows, by the time this airs, you might have a second cohort. But Kareen, welcome to the show. You're here with a tip of the week. What do you have for the Ruckus Maker listening? Hi, Danny. It's my pleasure to be here with the BLBS community. I would love to talk about leadership rituals for thriving. And as you can hear, maybe you can even hear the background noise in my home. I am really committed as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, as an ed leader, um, I'm really committed to the notion of that double win, that professional integrity that we have, that moral purpose in our work and how important it is, and a life well-lived. So I have a tip of the week. It's very simple. Ask, what are my rituals for thriving? What are my rituals for thriving? Every year, the builder I affectionately call my husband the builder because he's a home builder. (laughs) Every year, the builder and I review our life plan and our goals in our annual visioning retreat. This is how we build our family nest. And we always ask this question. What are our family rituals? What are our rituals for thriving? And these are different from like our practices or our routines or our um, weekly commitments. These are bigger picture pieces. They might be our family mission statement, the five journeys, faith, worthiness, selfhood, belonging, and change making. They might be our values. They might be the big life plan and goals and objectives that we have. So my tip of the week is to ask, what are my rituals for thriving? And bonus, do it with your partner. Love it. And just to reflect that back, that question, what are my rituals for thriving? What a generous question for the ruckus maker to ponder today. And if we added a bit of a challenge, let's do that because it's a tip of the week. But, you know, we have a bias for action and credit to you for coming up with that term. I love it so much. But within our community, right, we do uh, attract innovative ruckus makers, right, with a strong bias for action. What is the challenge you'd offer the listener today? Here's the challenge. We all can find ourselves drowning in the stormy seas, literally like our heads can be going under, bobbing, just reaching up to get breath. If you are that person in this, in that place, I challenge you to step away and ask this question. What are rituals 
thriving. And honestly, my mother's wisdom would have taught me start with the basics, sleep, eat, exercise, really start small and ask what are the rituals for thriving? Danny, how are you doing? Good, Megan. It's uh, it's interesting now that the the mic is turned toward me. I guess. <laughs> yes, it is, and that's why I'm here. So, for your listeners, uh, I'm Megan Gardner uh, from Guardian Adventures. My company specializes in the intersection of uh, games, education, and stories. And I was on a special episode, a, a bonus episode, back in July on July 5th, and it's called "Transforming Your School Through Story." During that uh, uh, interview, mm-hmm. which was so much fun, uh, yeah. and you and I just went off on so many awesome tangents, including <laughs> my work in hospice and all sorts of things, um, I realized you were a person I wanted to know more about. And uh, as I listened more and more to your wonderful episodes, I realized that there's a person behind Danny uh, and uh, there's a person behind BLBS. And I think that a lot of your listeners would like to know more about you. So um, I'm here to grill you <laughs> because I uh, put you on the hot seat because uh, I think your listeners would really like that kind of insight to know more about you. Uh, what makes you tick? What brought you here? And then where are you going? You know, uh, what, what, what are all the different tangents that, have, that, that this awesome podcast has taken you on? So what do you think about that? I think it sounds great. I am certainly honored that you came up with this idea. I will say, too, I want to brag on you. Uh, Shout out to Travis, who I believe was the one who connected us. And then, um, you know, you've just you've quickly become one of my favorite new people. Right. Like, honestly, and I don't say that for everyone. I've just really enjoyed um, uh, meeting you and, and the person you are. So for the Ruckus Maker listening, if you haven't listened to that bonus episode, Transform Your School Through Story, you definitely want to go back to that. Uh, Megan is a, a master of telling stories. And uh, that's just, that's a powerful tool in any leader's tool belt. And so mm. hopefully I can do some stories justice today. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you will. All right. So I'm going to start. Let's let's take the movie reel and go way back to way the back. beginning. Well, at least a little bit fast forward over the beginning. We want some of consciousness here. Okay. Tell me about 10 year old Danny. What was 10 year old Danny like in school, out of school? What kind of hobbies? Paint me a picture. Yeah. Wow. So that takes me back. I'm, I'm wearing a uniform. Because I attended, you know, a Catholic school growing up, St. Thomas of Villanova. So there I am in my uh, blue slacks and uh, white polo. And that's fun because you don't have to pick out your what you're wearing each day. So you just be put on that. I think I don't know if it happened that year as an eighth grader, but eventually I got a leadership role within the school, which was I got to deliver lunch. Right. And so I didn't start the whole cooking process. There was some massive, it honestly like was like out of a kid's storybook, right? It seemed like a monster. It was this massive oven type thing that made a lot of noises and smoke came out and all of this. But then you would get on your, your, your oven mitts and you would pull out these, uh, these cooked meals for the kids and you were out of class, which was awesome. And then you were basically a hero because you were going from, you know, it was, I think it was kindergarten through eighth grade, each classroom sliding in on these trays, you know, hot lunches and then the, the nasty 
very sorry excuse for vegetables and salad, you know, <laughs> but that was in there in milk, right? There was um, regular milk or chocolate milk. And so that was delivered each day at St. Thomas. Around that age too, might've been the year afterwards, but I actually started working that young, if you could believe it or not. I was uh, a big fan of the local comic book store, Fat Dutchie's mm. uh, comic book shop. It was owned by a guy named Chuck Furman, who has since passed. But uh, Chuck just, he realized this dude never leaves. Like this kid is always here, you know, looking at the baseball cards, the basketball, football, looking at all the comics, asking a million questions. And so Chuck finally said, you know, Danny, do you want a job, Right. Now, of course, as a child labor, like, you know, I wasn't like a right. real, real employee, but he did. He gave me 20 bucks a week to count the inventory of comic books. My favorite, favorite comic is uh, Spider-Man because he's quirky. He's geeky. Yet, you know, he's kind of a stud, too. He really is. Right. I was Daredevil, uh, by the way. So, you know, uh, I, I get the whole comic book collection thing. But yes, for me, it yes. was Daredevil. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's where my love for reading sparked. Right. So mm-hmm. seeing myself in the stories, also seeing just like the underdogs um, around that time, you know, my parents are splitting up and just trying to make sense of the world. And there was a lot in a kid's mind that just seemed wrong. And I wanted, I wanted to win at life or like be a hero, you know what I mean? Save the world type of stuff. So I really, really connected with comics and so that's, yeah, love of love of reading, 20 bucks a week, all the comics I could read in either Chicago pizza or uh, Italian beef, you know, is what he he served me lunch. He bought me lunch each week. I also, uh, last thing with the with Chuck and Fat Dutchies, that's where my love of music, right? And so that's where I was introduced to uh, like the blues, you know, in jazz and in my, my, my appreciation of art and music just really was shaped there. And, uh, I, well, not ironically, but my mom, looking back, maybe seems a bit strange because it wasn't like Chuck was a family member, but he brought me to my first concert, right? Mm-hmm. And my, my mom must have just like trusted him because I was there all the time anyway and asked this guy who owned the, the store, can you bring Danny to the first concert? And it was Aerosmith. Aerosmith, oh. eat the rich, right? Like, wow. yeah. So that was well, the that's first a, concert. That's our first. Co- you, where'd you go from there? <laughs> I went. I went everywhere. I mean, I've seen everybody from, uh, you know, like the the Beach Boys to you know, like De La Soul and everything yeah. in between. So I've I've really experienced it all. <laughs> now, does Aerosmith still have a special place in your heart? Um, maybe in that sense, you know. Honestly, I don't. Um, I don't listen to them all that often, but when some of those older songs come on, it's like, oh, it really brings me back to that time of my life. Uh, Before we move on, I just want to know, who's the the hot uh, topic today in music for you? The hot topic, like who I'm listening to? Yeah, who are you listening to? You know, these days, since my wife is from Zimbabwe, she has absolutely opened up my mind to all sorts of uh, musicians and artists that I never even knew. And so like one of the most famous Zimbabwean artists, his name is Ja Preza. So he's amazing. Like, and, and if you can understand the Shauna, like this guy just speaks in poetry. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful, beautiful uh, music. And then there's this guy, Oliver Tuku M. Tukudzi. He's since passed too, but he was like, the quintessential Zimbabwean musician. 
And what's really interesting is he could sing about the most difficult topics and, and um, actually portrayed in a, in again, a beautiful way. Right. And deal, deal with heavy topics in a light way. If that, if that makes sense, but Mm. there is one guy I have to look up his, look, look up his name. Um, and I probably will uh, mispronounce it, but Mbongeni and Gema in like, He's he's uh, from South Africa, from what I understand, and speaks and sings in Zulu. But he has a he has a song that uh, I actually play every time I pick up my wife from the university because I I drop her off for her classes on uh, what is it Tuesdays and Thursdays, and so it's just a ritual, and I have it playing, and it's a very happy song, and and uh, me and her and the puppy are there, and it's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I mean, with my with getting into Spotify, I'm finding too that I'm I'm mm. just really interested in in a much wider international taste in music. And yeah. uh, isn't it? It's just phenomenal to have access now to the world's yeah. music. Yeah, uh, well, along with the world's stories. So, to that yeah. point, I'll, I'll go look at a country like, for example, when I lived in Belgium or Netherlands, Scotland, even and I, you know, they'll have the top 50 songs. Right. And so I'll just go to countries I'm interested in and I just play like what they're listening to. And if there's one thing that America has done well. Right. <laughs> it is in terms of like popular culture and arts, you know, and especially music. Like I, I can never forget just sitting in these cafes in France and like there's U.S. music that's like, you yes. know, the videos. And I'm like, how about that? In a culture which they're very proud, right, to, to, to be French and they should be. But here's our music like playing and they're celebrating it. And it's just uh, it's a global society. Listen, you know, that's just the way it is these days. So how did you do in school? Like, what did you like? to What did, what topics and subjects did you like? Yeah. Were there any that you, was, was there a specific subject that was your kryptonite? I wanted to like science, but I sucked at science. Like I just wasn't very good at experiments or like doing the science logs and stuff. And even in, you know, as a freshman, I explored um, geology. I thought having a, a job, maybe even like a park ranger or working with the earth, you know, is the way I kind of um, saw myself being in nature every day. And that kind of thing spoke to my heart. But uh, I got very critical feedback that my uh, science journal was uh, poor. So I'm like, okay, maybe this is not my thing. And I didn't, I could have pushed through. I'm sure I could have learned the skills, but science was a bit of the kryptonite. I excelled in math uh, through high school, you know, made it to calculus AB. Uh, But by the time I went to university, I think math became a different language. So even though I love numbers, I did not do so hot in my math classes. So I went That's to school to be that you yeah. you had a head for math, but not for science. They're not yeah. that wildly different. Well, you know, and I'm not going to point fingers at any teachers, but I mm. wonder if there was some if it was siloed off and not integrated and, you know, more about the worksheet instead of the love of learning and stuff. Yeah. And so I think I may have just missed the joke. Right. And, uh, and it didn't connect in my brain for whatever reason, but funny story, you know, I went to, I went to uni and as a freshman wanted to be a math teacher because I loved math so much. Right. And, uh, I saw the guys coming out of, uh, Altgeld, Altgeld hall, which I think was the math, uh, building there on the U- university of Illinois campus and folks in plaid and their pocket protectors and, uh, 
and, uh, you know, thick black rimmed glasses, which is very much more in vogue these days, uh, but kind of nerdy back then, but not cool nerdy, but nerdy nerdy. And, uh, and I had a poetry class and I'll tell you what, I had a blind teacher. I wish I remembered the professor's name. He was blind. And this guy could recite all the poems, every poem that we did in class, he had memorized and he recited it with energy and passion. And like, he held us all in his hand, the whole entire class. Well, I did a reading of uh, the Raven and, and he loved it. Right. So that affirmation plus, I'm not going to lie. The girls in the poetry class were beautiful. And then I looked at the guys coming out of Altgeld Hall without dates. I said to myself, and not only that, but like poetry, you can in literature, right? You can interpret it a million different ways as long as you back it up, right? You make a claim and show your evidence. I really enjoyed that process, right? And the beautiful girls. And so I said, I'm going to be an English major. That's it. That's it for me. <laughs> That's so funny that your career path just like... Just like that. Ended up following. That's where the girls are. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you know, you're an 18 year old guy and you're away from home for the first time and you're like, you know, I need, I need to prioritize myself here. <laughs> they, they actually have a saying. I thought, I thought this was hysterical. I heard this a long time ago from a gal who was an, a scientist. And she said, yeah, when you're a female scientist, the odds are good, but the goods are odd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe there was some wisdom in my body that I just knew that. And so I yeah. had to, uh, and, and it's funny, I'm saying this now as a mother of a particle physicist. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, uh, never let that stop you. And, and, I, and it, it's, it's kind of sad, though, that you had a passion for science yeah. and it was, it was tamped down and, mm. and you were given critical feedback that instead of inspiring you, pushed you away from it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, true, that's a, true. a powerful, you know, lesson of what not to do. Well, I think, you know, as, as educators, you have such influence, you know, over your students, even like with a professor that I wouldn't say I had an awesome relationship with, you know, there's professors names I do remember, and he's not one of them. And he wasn't a bad professor or anything like that. I'm just saying, uh, sometimes you forget the impact that you have on your students, right? Mm. And so, or even with math, you know, with, with math, uh, you know, I tongue in cheek gave you that. And, and that did influence me. I'm not going to lie. But the other thing too was uh, now I'm in a class of hundreds of kids and there's the professor going fast and it's cumulative and I'm just getting lost and digging a deeper hole. And then when I went to study hours, when I went to the discussion sections, it still seemed like a, a foreign language to me and the TA wasn't helping either. And um, yeah, I just, I just chose a different path. You know, it just wasn't clicking for me. Mm. that's okay and then in this whole um journey at what point did you say i want to be an educator yeah that was uh that was that was back i'm not 10 but i might be 12 or 13 i am working at fat dutch's comic book shop um i'm living on macarthur in uh, palatine illinois and kitty corner to our house is the brogan family and this was my uh version like in my mind in an ideal family the parents were together there was a, you know, a brother and sister and um, they've had it all. You know, I think I've actually shared this story before, but it's, it's good. And like uh, Mr. Brogan, he 
He worked at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. So he traded like stocks and bonds and ETFs, all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, they had the second lake. They had the house in Galena, you know, so a second house. They had a car phone, right? Now that's mm-hmm. like, okay, whatever. Everybody has right, these right, right. mobile phones, but they had a car phone back in the day. And Johnny always had the latest Jordans, right? And when we were growing up, the Bulls were a big deal. This was the dynasty. This was Jordan and Pippen and, you know, everybody else. And I never had Jordans growing up, you know? So if we fast forward to when I was a teacher, that first paycheck I got, I bought myself a pair of Jordans, right? But how did I get there? I asked Mr. Brogan, because my dad isn't consistently in my life at this time. And I just looked up to him. He was for sure a father figure. Uh, Side note, also, Mrs. Brogan taught me the best way to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich too. Okay. (laughs) It's important in life. Oh, so good. And I use her recipe to this day, but Mr. Brogan, I I definitely looked up to, and I said, you know, what do you think? Like, what should I maybe study as I'm thinking about high school and college? And what, what would you, what would you do? What would you suggest? He said, Danny, if I could do it all different, I would be a teacher. And I was not expecting that answer, right? Here's a guy who, from my view of the world, right? Like had it all, the family, they had resources, beautiful home, multiple homes. And he's like, my job's stressful. Uh, I'm, I'm not at home as much as I like. And he said before P. Diddy and um, Notorious B.I.G., uh, he said, basically, more money, more problems, right? Like with all this uh, great abundance comes a lot of responsibility and bills. And he, he wanted um, a simpler life, not that you know, being an educator means means you'll have a simpler life. But he also said, I wanted to have more impact, right? I want to do something that matters. And making money just to make money isn't necessarily a great mission. And so that that really was like why I was going to be a teacher. Plus that I was decent in school, you know, pretty much A's and B's and just had some really awesome teachers and classroom experiences. And I'm like, I'll do that. And so I just made up my mind. And I became, you know, I became a teacher. So, so you went to college and went to college. you pursued a, a degree to become a teacher. Yeah. And your first teaching job was? Uh, that, that, was uh, that was in Marietta, Georgia, where cabbage, ca- cabbage Patch Kids are made. Believe it or not, that's the Cabbage Patch Factory HQ. I was done with snow, Megan. I was done with snow growing up in the Midwest, right? My whole life going to college at U of I, cold. And it's not even fun cold. There's no mountains. You can't ski. Like, it's just it's just garbage cold. It's just cold. So I applied to anywhere that's hot and doesn't have snow. And part of that uh, application process was through the Southeast, also the West. Well, the most bites on the applications I got uh, was from the Southeast. And so after I graduated, did like a little road trip. First interview was at East Cobb Middle School, Marietta, Georgia. Uh, they saw this these credentials from the University of Illinois. And I, I had the job by the time I was walking out of the interview. And I took one second to think about it. And I said, I'll take it. That means no more interviews. And the rest of the time I could party during my road trip and have fun. Right. And so that was that. And I, I moved I moved to Georgia. I talked to my best friend, Casey, into moving down there with me. And by the time the road trip was over, like two weeks later, I tell my mom, uh, I'm moving to Georgia, right, for teaching and packed up a U-Haul with Casey. And, and we drove down there and that was home for four years. Wow. So so I just want to 
make a connection here. You decided to go into English because there were girls, and then you decided to accept your first job so that you could party for your road trip. Well, and the no snow part, right? <laughs> and yeah. the no snow part. Priorities. But I think Priorities. that's really interesting. You know, it makes sense at that age. You know, it's yeah. like if I yeah. say yes to this, I can spend all this time partying. <laughs> Huh, yeah. And now, you know, I run BLBS because I want to have a major impact on education and work with really cool people. So life can be simple. You know, it That's really can. Right. That's <laughs> right. And so at what point in this whole trajectory then did BLBS come in? So at the time, my partner, uh, she recommended I listen to a podcast called Entrepreneur on Fire. And uh, it's done by a guy named John Lee Dumas. Have you ever listened? I'm not sure if you ever. I haven't. Heard. So he, he, he still does. It was a daily, like, think about that commitment. A daily podcast with entrepreneurs just talking about what works, what doesn't, right? And lessons learned. And my partner at the time, I think she suggested it to me because I've always been orthodox in terms of my approach to the classroom experience, right? And and that's my approach now as a as a head coach or chief ruckus maker, like whatever you want to call me. Like I bring in ideas from business and we translate like, how does that help in terms of leadership and running an effective school? So I've always been thinking that. And so I'm listening to this um, show and and, uh, I'm just thinking, huh, is anybody doing something like this kind of in education? And, And number one, number two, I'm a school leader And to be frank, like the leadership development opportunities are sorely lacking in my lived experience. Okay, at the time I'm an AP. So there is some stuff, some stuff for principals also in a massive system. So I don't blame, you know, I'm in Chicago public schools. I don't blame them for that. That's I mean, huge third largest district in the country. But my for real lived experience is like there's no development. And if we are brought into anything that's a leadership meeting, it's not really leadership. It's more managerial. It's like, hey, raise the test scores, increase your attendance, decrease the discipline issues or you're fired. Right. Mm. That's that's just like the mission of making more money, a rich person getting richer. It's not compelling. Nobody becomes a teacher, an educator to say, you know, I want to have the kids rock the test scores. That's now that's a nice thing. It's a nice outcome. But to me, it's like a second secondary thing. We want to ignite passion and learning and open up doors and what's possible in the world. Right. And in, in, in the path for kids and their futures. So I just said, huh. And oh, sorry, I, I go to a conference called the Global Leadership Summit from the stage the host says everybody wins when a leader gets better, right? And you know, I've, I've stolen that as my motto. Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Everybody wins when you get better. I want to add that personal touch, right? So every ruckus maker listening understands when she levels up, right? Just like JFK's quote, a rising tide lifts all, all ships or all boats. I forget the last part, but you understand the point is that by growing yourself, you grow your community. And that felt just very heavy to me. I felt the weight and gravity of that quote. And I said, huh, I'm at this conference now. And then it goes away. Uh, I can make a plan for implementation. I'm capable of doing that. But if I look at my calendar, it's actually really lacking in more development opportunities. And so I said, that's it. Okay. I'll start a show. It's not that expensive to do a podcast. I'm going to learn and I'm going to do my learning in public. And my assertion is that my skill set 
will grow and there'll probably be a pretty cool ripple effect. Who knows what might happen? Well, the who knows what might happen is turned into the bigger, better leaders, better schools, you know, machine. So it's so much more than a free podcast, right? That people are listening to right now. Wow. So you, I love this idea though, that you said, I'm going to put myself out there so people can see me learning yeah, and showing the example of, of challenging your own ignorance, embracing your own ignorance and being able to say, teach me and bringing in people to teach you. You've become the lifelong learner, the, the exemplified lifelong learner. And that can be really um, inspirational to people because you, you've relieved them of the burden of being the expert. You know what I mean? And that's, it's really important for leaders because you know, and I know that in a leadership position, we're often looked at as if we really need to know what's going on when in fact the the best, right. When in fact the best leaders are actually those who are saying, you know what, I don't know what's going on, but if we all put our heads together, we can probably figure it out together. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so essentially that's what you're inspiring through that. So, so obviously it started and, and and I'm going to, after this, I'm going to ask for a quick break so that we can um, have our sponsors um, um, come in. But uh, I'd love to know, like, it, it started up, what, what, how has it changed? How, how, what, what was the first episode like? And then what was, you know, episode, let's say 50 like? Yeah. Well, the first episode was done where I was working after school hours. Uh, I interviewed the principal, my dear friend, DeAndre Weaver, who I think for getting me into school leadership, we, we would regularly work out, lift weights. I almost killed the guy, uh, doing not on purpose, right? Like we were doing some, some intense stuff and, uh, he just like, he needed to break, right. And take, catch his breath. So, uh, but, but anyways, in that moment, working out with him, he said, uh, Danny, I got my first, uh, principal position. I need to build a team with people. I just have hundred percent trust in and know. And so he said, I want you to highly consider becoming a, an administrator. Never. That was never, ever, 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 ever on my radar. I was an awesome classroom teacher. I've won awards everywhere I've been. I loved it. Loved the relationship with the kids, parents, colleagues, you know, but he, he said he saw leadership skills in me and, and, and asked me to, to consider it. And I did. And all of a sudden I was like kind of dissatisfied with just doing what I was doing and, and yearned for a, a bigger impact. And so, uh, that was how I got into um, school leadership. So you asked about episode one, changing the episode 50. Episode one, so I'm interviewing uh, DeAndre and again, dear friend. So that episode means a lot to me. But when I re-listened, because I've if, if the ruckus maker listening doesn't know, there's an archive feed of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. After you release more than 300 episodes, uh, they disappear right? They don't get deleted, but they just don't show up anymore in Apple. And so if you want to keep that content alive, which I do, you have to start a whole new podcast and then you call it an archive feed. So season one, episodes one through 250 are on that feed. And I share that because it's relevant. So I went back and listened to episode one. Megan, that episode sucks. It's really (laughs) like, you know, like obviously... I'm not comfortable with my, you, you want to bring emotion, your quirkiness, like right now, like I'm in my element back then, like you're, you're sweating, you're like really nervous. And, and, and for the first 50 episodes, sorry to the ruckus maker. Thank you for being with me. If you've been with me since 2015, but they know it was too formulaic. It was the same 
thing questions every time. Mm. And that was starting to get boring to me. So part of the evolution, probably not by episode 50, but I ended up hiring a podcast coach and uh, two main takeaways, you know, was that we did a pre-chat, you and I, right, before we recorded. And that's just to get to know the guests better, to cast vision. How can you add value to the audience? But how can I also support you in, you know, what you consider success for a show and so on and so forth. Uh, And then the other thing was to, Add more emotion, add more emotion, you know, add more stories. And where can you do that? Um, And so I learned that. So, yeah, episode one, like if you want to hear the arc and you'll still get value from it. But, man, it has it changed. It's like cringeworthy. Right. Going back to episode one from my point of view. (laughs) That's great. All right. So right here, we're going to take a quick break for your sponsors. Okay. All right. Learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and empower your teams with Harvard Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Get online professional development that fits your schedule. Now enrolling for October 2021 and February 2022 cohorts. Courses include Leading Change, Leading School Strategy and Innovation, Leading People, and Leading Learning. Apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Better Leaders, Better Schools is brought to you by school leaders like Principal Gutierrez using TeachFX. Special populations benefit the most from verbally engaging in class, but get far fewer opportunities to do so than their peers, especially in virtual classes. TeachFX measures verbal engagement automatically in virtual or in-person classes to help schools and teachers address these issues of equity during COVID. Learn more and get a special offer from Better Leaders, Better Schools listeners at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Today's show is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder develops the skills and habits all students need for success. During these uncertain times of distance learning and hybrid education settings, Organized Binder equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning routines so that all students have an opportunity to succeed, whether at home or in the classroom. Learn more at OrganizedBinder.com. Okay, so... uh... Now that's that's kind of the backdrop of BLBS. Tell me where it is now and where it's going in the future. Yeah. Uh, the leader is always the greatest opportunity and greatest challenge within his or her organization, right? Mm. And so that's true that I am not exempt from that idea. <laughs> and I say that because, you know, one, the book's coming out. I know we'll talk about that. So that is something I am very proud of creating. You know, it's going to come out in print. I'm going to hold it. And I can say I did it. Like the first book, I'm happy. And I know there's value in it. But this one is like 10 times. Like it's so, so such a better product, so to speak. Right. And so that's it's kind, really, it's kind really, of like episode one versus episode 50. Book one versus yeah. your second book. There is this big difference yeah. between the two because you've learned so much from that first book. Yeah. And shout out to Ariel Curry, you know, the the senior editor who brought me into Corwin. I normally give her a lot of uh, grief because I tell a story of how she told, you know, gave me some critical feedback too, right? That the organization was terrible. But uh, credit to her that she really helped me 
think about how to package a better, how to create a better book. And it was very hard work. And I didn't even know that I had it in me to do, right? What we visioned that was possible, but we did it. Like, I am super confident that we did it. Like, I can't communicate enough how proud I am of the book. But then the, the, the opportunity versus challenge or bottleneck thing that I talked about, I don't know why I waited this long. Uh, maybe it was like getting the right people on the team. I'm sure that's a, a part of it. Also just believing that it's possible. But in uh, 2021, you know, we, we launched our first cohorts that are serving school leaders, that they're growing, that they're doing things they didn't think possible, that they're connecting, right, with other amazing leaders in, the, in our field. Tell and me more about the, cohorts. Yeah. So in the mastermind, it's uh, not one massive group, right? So it's like, at this point, there's seven cohorts. I lead uh, five, right? And uh, two, you know, launched, I'm not leading them. So that's what I was trying to say, maybe in a garbled way. But so I've trained these coaches and continue to offer training to them, you know, but they are the ones who serve the school leaders. And there's a new one by the time this episode launches, there's a third cohort that I won't be leading that's releasing on in October. And it'll be on Thursday. We never had a mastermind on Thursday. So when I, when I think about where we've been, show started off when I started the mastermind, there were seven early adopters, right? Like those people go down in BLBS lore, you know, forever. And, uh, and while I was a school leader, you know, it grew to maybe like 20 or so. And when I decided, Hey, I'm going to do this full time, you know, we, we grew it to where we're at now. So let's say like somewhere between 70 and 80 members, but the big, big vision, since you asked about where we're going, I've started to dream like, and it's, it used to feel scary. It doesn't feel scary anymore. My next goal was like, okay, how do you 10 exit? So at the time, 60, 60 to 600, that's great impact. And then I was on a, I was on a call with the founder of teach FX, one of our sponsors and Jamie in literally one second leveled up my dreaming. He said, well, why, why not 1200, 600 seems small. Danny, like you could totally serve 1200. I'm like, seriously? That's scary. That's over a thousand people. I can't even count that high, right? Told you, like I didn't, I didn't do so good in math at the university level. So, but the thing is, twelve hundred is scary for me, Megan. But when you look at when you look at the entire uh, amount of principals in the United States, it actually works out to just two to three percent. It's not. That's not very many at all. That's just not that's even right. barely a drop in the bucket. So I'm like, huh. This is doable. This is totally doable. I got to get the right team, you know, and got to build the systems, but we can have that kind of impact in education and I'm going for it. And then the other goal, then the Jim Collins, you know, big, hairy, audacious goal, 5,000, 5,000. And that's 5% of school leaders in the U S and Canada. Right. So for listeners that are you know, in Europe or Africa or Asia or whatever, we have, we have leaders from every continent except Antarctica, right? But just in terms of scale and thinking about how to make, what I'm trying to say, how to make something that scares you, 5,000. But when you say that's only 5%, right? It's, it's got to be doable. I think so. I just got to figure out how and really figure out who can help me get there. Mm. And that means you're having a much broader impact. So it's, it's amazing. Your, yeah. your leadership skills that you're accruing and that yeah. you're passing on are going to become the standard. 
you know, I was talking, I don't want to reveal who I was talking to. It's a very a best-selling author. And her and another colleague were, were talking about me because, you know, just network and mutual connections and that kind of thing. And um, what she reflected back to me was so meaningful. Prior to this, the, the thing that was said about me that was amazing was a counselor at my last school in uh, Houston. And she said, Danny, you have such a calming effect on our community. And they were a very high achieving, affluent bunch, wound up a little too tight, you know, and took things like really seriously. So having sort of a calming uh, don't take yourself so seriously. Impact is exactly what they needed. Didn't necessarily land. Tell me more about that. What can you identify? What is your calming effect? Mm. What do you do? What do you do that causes that calm to sit in? That's an awesome question. And I see why people say that to me now, because you really have to think about it. Uh, what do I do? I think part of it, I think part of it's my ability to build relationships. And honestly, like people know I care. I did talk about like, don't take yourself so seriously. That's, that's rule number six. You can learn more either at my website or pick up the art of possibility. It's talked about there. It's a really great book. So I think that care versus not taking yourself too seriously combination helps with calming, but also like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to mess up the exact quote, but Marcus Aurelius wrote in uh, meditations was, which was a private journal. He never meant to have published right. Roman emperor, like, Pretty big deal, huge impact. But he talked about being the rock, right? That the waves crash over, you know, uh, or when the water's calm and the rock is still just there. So the, the whole point is like in times of high highs and times of low lows that you can see, stay steady. And I've had that reflected back to me too. I'm a very loyal, you know, consistent and steady guy. And so I think that comes through. It's, it's more about a presence thing, right? Like how you approach it all. So I think that maybe that's how it happens. Let's... I think I would add one more thing from my perspective of someone oh, who's cool. been on your hot yeah. seat with you interviewing. You have a very, you have an openness about you that invites not just relationship, but dialogue and storytelling. And you truly seem to have a, um, a sense about you. You are truly interested in the person mm. you're talking to and you are championing them throughout the discussion. Um, you're interested, mm. interested. I, I heard a quote once I thought was just phenomenal. People always want to say, people always say when they grow older, I want to be interesting. She said, I, I just want to be interested. I like and I that. thought that was a perfect quote. Truly. I want to be interested in everything around me. Mm -hmm. Whether or not I'm interesting is actually not an important goal of mine. I just yeah. want to be interested and you are interested. And I think that's one of the key qualities that you bring to your interviews. Yeah, I'm writing that down actually on a sticky, a yellow sticky here on my desk because... Uh, the Exhibit A. <laughs> the Exhibit A. Well, you're I'm just like, oh. Down, you're writing down a quote. You, are, you, you heard something, it connected <laughs> oh. with you, you're writing it down. This is you <laughs> exemplifying interested. Yeah, well... <laughs> Thank you for noting that. I'm like, that'd be an awesome, like that message needs to be put out. I need to write a book on that. <laughs> you know, like that's where my mind went. Cause that, that's just such a, thank you for sharing. What a great sure. idea. Lifelong um, I winner. never, I never would have, never would have picked that up on my own. So you reflected that back, but uh, I was telling this story of this best-selling author. And so 
the calming thing from the counselor was cool. But the thing that this author told me, she said, uh, her and her colleague were discussing me and she said, man, this guy has such a heart and warmth about him, but also like this busy business savviness, right? That is just a real, they said a powerful combination. And I don't even know how I got talking on this, this story, but like, the other day she shared that with me and that really like really made my day for sure. Yeah, that's great. And and I think it's also an important aspect of, you know, one other important aspect of it is that you have been there where so many leaders are. You know, you were you were part of that team. You had to make that decision to go from being a teacher to being an administrator. Mm-hmm. And then in your role as an administrator to help shape teams to mm-hmm. help basically lead them into success and, yeah. and, and challenge this idea that, well, what you have to do is increase the grade scores or, you know, you're fired mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and challenge that. So, uh, yeah. And so that essentially ties into your podcast, but it also ties into your book. Mm. So tell me more about your book. So the cool thing with that is like, thanks again. I want to honor Ariel. Like she, Humbly, honestly, every publisher in the education space reached out to do a book, you know, and this is like 2019. And I'm just like, what is going on? This is crazy. Like, you know, but they, they're starting to look at podcasts, right? They're starting to look at people who are creating value and making an impact and maybe non-traditional. Now this is becoming quite normal. But anyways, so Ariel reaches out and she goes... So everybody wants a book, but they're like, what, what should the book be on? And I'm thinking, right. okay, productivity and like, okay, what can I write about? But Ariel says, let's do a book on how you serve leaders. I'm like, huh, that's, that's interesting. You know, okay, that would be really cool. How do I write it in a way that it doesn't feel like, hey, 200 pages, come join my thing? Because there's a, there's a business side, like it's high quality so that it's not free, right? It is not a free experience. There's plenty of free stuff I put out there that's good and helps people learn, but the mastermind, that's not free. So I'm like, hmm. So that was the first hurdle. Can I get, how do I create something of value that people can take action on, that they can be inspired by? Uh, and that kind of thing, but it doesn't feel slimy or salesy, you know, educators that go into business all wrestle with the idea like of making money and like it's bad or makes you bad or evil or something like that. Cause for so long, right. You're like, Hey, I barely get paid, you know, and I'm here doing this good thing for society. So that's something that you have to wrestle with and maybe a, a skin to shed, but you know, like I, I am confident in the book and it for sure isn't a 200 page sales letter at all. And probably because of Ariel's critical feedback, I had to think about why does this community really, really work? Right. Because uh, actually the backpack story, I haven't told this to anybody. This is a this is a, a weakness of leaders and a problem. When the book first started, the first first draft, nobody will see this. I was almost writing to two audiences, one to school leaders and why this is a powerful opportunity to nurture yourself, to grow yourself, right? To develop your skill set. And then there was this other audience of, hey, if you want to build a mastermind and like actually get it going in your district, or maybe you're an edupreneur and want to, you know, offer it as a product or service, like here's how you do that. And whenever you have sort of like two audiences or two, you know, different uh, foci, I guess, you're distracted and you don't create something as good as it could be. 
So that was a big learning moment. And then, of course, obviously, the school leader needs to be the main the main focus. So then I thought about, huh, okay, now that I'm very clear on that, if I write the book in such a way that talks about why it works, that means that A, they can integrate those elements into what they do in schools and just make their school experience better, right? Even at the classroom level, like teachers could read this because it follows this framework of the ABCs of powerful professional development. They can put that in a classroom and level it up or the PD offered to the entire staff. And then B, they uh, school leaders could use it as a filter, uh, something I'm looking to join or a conference or a webinar I want to go to. Where does it bring in authenticity, belonging, and challenge, right? So now they have sort of a tool to evaluate experiences that they're going to invest their time and resources in. And then C, uh, obviously, um, from a high level, here's why it works. So we could start these within schools, you know, or districts. Or if you don't want the friction and all the work and blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it, if you just want to immediately plug into this thing that's working, that has a global reach, that has the diversity of any way you can cut diversity, you know, but also like diversity of thought, it's available and you're invited, right? And so that's there too, you know, and, and there's, a, there's a very small call to action right at the end. If you'd like to learn more whenever you're ready, here's where to figure that out. But that's literally the only time I talk about like come join in one sentence. And the rest of it is like research, stories, case studies, practical tips of how to implement more authenticity, more belonging, more challenge, which leads to life and leadership transformation. And so that's why I feel super confident about it. Yeah. So you're, what you're actually doing is you're solving problems. Yeah. And when, when you are solving problems, either with a book or a podcast or a blog, what have you, that's where, where you gather interested parties. If you're there to yeah. sell a product, if you're just there yeah. to, to say, I am the solution, as opposed to you are your solution and here's how you do it. Right, um, right. So you're, you're providing an opportunity for them to take charge. And then if they find themselves stuck, you have this other opportunity available for them. But right. uh, it, it's your objective to get them underway and, and get them going to be able to do this. And that, that's the difference. That's what a book is as opposed to a 200-page sales pitch, right? Yeah, yeah. I love how you frame that, that you are the solution, you know? And we're, we're reading in the mastermind right now, uh, Isabel Wilkerson's cast. And that is a very candid look at horrific things uh, the United States has done, you know, and it looks at caste in India. It looks at what the Nazis did trying to, you know, eliminate uh, Jews from the world, right? Like really, really hard topics. So it's not like a, you know, um, what the mastermind people in the mastermind say, where's the hope? Where's, where's the solution, right? And what I keep telling people, look in the mirror. You are the hope. When I look at the mastermind, that's where the optimism for me comes from, where my hope comes from, because education changes lives, right? And uh, it gets very political and that kind of thing. I'm not going to do that in the podcast. But the point is, you open doors, you change lives by being objective, just presenting the evidence and, and uh, creating an awesome education, you know, experience. Mm -hmm. So you have your podcast, yeah. you have a book coming out, yeah. you have your mastermind group. Yeah. Am I missing anything? 
Uh, creating some new stuff. So we ran the principal success path for the first time. So it's a whole new, you know, flagship offer. Uh, it's like a two and a half month, three month experience. But essentially, if you want to create a powerful school experience, like there's asynchronous content that gets dropped three times a week. Uh, and then there's there's a, a safe private space to show your work right to your colleagues and get feedback. And then there's live group coaching calls where it's a lot of teaching from me, but then uh, really quick Q&A. So it's different than a mastermind. So that's out there. We did it for the first time. Uh, I think 26 people joined. It was a huge success. Like it went really, really well. I'm looking forward to hearing too, you know, from, from people what their experience was. But I just uh, interviewed one of the members, uh, Maria Rodriguez, for an hour, just like hearing her story, you know, and uh, like I was almost brought to tears hearing like what she's learned and the impact she's had in less than three months. I mean, less than 90. It's, it's, it's crazy because then you think like you've created this right for people. Right. You always hope that it does what you think it will do. But the other thing, too, and this is a leadership lesson, like unless you reach out to the Maria's in your school community or whatever, it's very possible she'll keep going on with life. And I would never hear of the impact. You know, so it's not fishing for compliments, but again, another meta sort of leadership lesson. If you have sort of like a case study framework and you're interested to connect dots, right? Then you can tell Maria's story, which feels great for Maria because she's, she's a ruckus maker, right? She, people should emulate to be like her, but then the other Maria's I don't know yet will see themselves in her and maybe I'll have an opportunity to help them as well. So you can do that in your school community, right? With, with your teachers, with your students, parents, et cetera. It's also um, proof that it works. I yeah, mean, yeah. if you don't follow up for those case studies, how do you know whether or not yeah. what you're doing works? And then also because they're going to have um, some feedback for you on their challenges, on things that they had to kind of figure out. Perhaps that's on your next book or your next podcast. Uh, your next mastermind, which is if you begin to see uh, a theme throughout the mm-hmm. feedback and people mm-hmm. having sp- a specific challenge over and over again, that's an area you know you need to tackle. Yeah, yeah. I've been right. There's some other sticky notes on my desk about that right there. So um, really great point, Megan. That's awesome. And then the other thing that I've built, you know, is this uh, what I call the remarkable vision formula. Three steps to creating a remarkable life, remarkable family and remarkable school. Because I'm not, again, I'm unorthodox. So it's not just about school outcomes. I care about all my people as human beings. And even before the family, like I want them to be a great partner and a great parent, you know, and that kind of thing. Even before that, I want them to be a great who they are, right? Human being and make sure they're they're taking care of themselves. So the the high level remarkable vision formula is just being super intentional about where you're going over the next three years and all those domains. And so... um you know, there'll be free webinars around that. I'm doing a live event, you know, experience around that. And I could see maybe a smaller offering for people who don't want all the support of a live event. You know, they could go through it, you know, like in an asynchronous sort of course type thing. So that's it for now, but definitely more to come. Uh, There's some really cool things that aren't yet developed, but in development. And uh, like the mastermind, the members currently, they're going to be thrilled when it comes through. So I'm just, I'm really pumped for that. (laughs) Well, and then on top of that, we were talking before, you're kind of becoming an in-demand speaker. 
Yeah, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it. So yeah, that's another yeah. possible avenue for you to go in. Because if you want to talk about reaching large audiences, um, there, there's your podcast, but there's also speaking to uh, speaking at conferences and speaking yep. at, at educational uh, opportunities where you're now reaching out to sometimes hundreds or thousands of people with your message. And then those types of workshops that you're able to, you know, the whole package that you offer for, for yeah. your speaking engagements, which, um, which is rather comprehensive and, yeah. and, and allows these conferences um, to bring in, you know, all Danny Bauer and, and, and BLBS uh, right there on site. So right. that's a, another avenue of growth for this, for this entire industry that you've put together. Yeah. Well, thanks for highlighting that. And there is a leadership lesson there, which is this, I'm going to ask the ruckus maker to consider what does, what does he or she want to be known for as a leader? And so I was invited most recently to this experience. I'm going to do the keynotes for 300 leaders. It's going to be amazing. Most people that come in for a keynote, they're in and out. And I want to be so much more. And so what I, what I pitched was the keynote, plus I'll run a workshop during the event, you know, not in and out. Plus I'll do a VIP dinner because it's about developing relationships, right? And helping and serving. And I'm going to bring a book for everybody at the event. And I'm going to do that. I want to be able to do that at each invitation, each place I get the opportunity to serve because I want my name and Better Leaders, Better Schools to be synonymous with over-delivering, right? Mm -hmm. And that you don't just get this thing you're expecting. You get all this other stuff in addition to that. And that's the experience that you're investing in. It's so much more. And, and it's so important. I, I, we've all been to keynote speeches that were good. And maybe even we came out with a few ideas, but to have that person then available for workshops afterwards and to be approachable. Uh, and that if I've really inspired, maybe participating in, in the executive dinner, but now uh, it, it empowers me to take these concepts that I was just listening to. And I really don't have a whole lot of ability to interact with. Now I am interacting. Mm -hmm. Now I'm, I'm, acting on them. I've, I'm setting up essentially my plan for what I'm going to do when I get back to my school. Yeah. And there's, that's a very big difference because what's just happened there. And this is my specialty is transfer. Um, you, you have taken a person from hearing the idea, considering the idea, thinking about it, noodling on it, interacting with the idea or mm. the person who inspired the idea really now starting to pick it apart, challenge it, internalize it, right? Mm. And then in the next step, which is transferring what's, what I've been working with inside of that, what we call the formal learning environment, transferring it out to the outside of the formal learning environment. Ironically, in this situation, you're going from one formal learning environment to another, but the other, the second formal learning environment is the environment you're working in. So when you have succeeded in that, you have... Um, I would, what I would call is a first level transfer. You, you, you have gotten the person from listening to it and thinking about it to acting on it, first level transfer inside of that environment. And that's kind of when you have a school that teaches a specific topic, let's say they teach science, but they're touching on the topics in that science class, science class, they're touching on those topics in the math class. Mm -hmm. So now we have a transfer across subjects. That's first level transfer. Second level transfer, you're taking the concepts 
out into uh, outside of that formal learning environment. That's what you're doing. You're getting these people inspired to now take it into their professional learning environment. And then comes third level, which is now they take it home. Mm. And you have, you have actually succeeded then in the highest level of transfer, which is it has shaped me as a person, not just inside the, the work environment, but I've learned how to become a better leader, a better communicator with my family. Yeah, so. yeah. Gene uh, Park, you know, he's a uh, expert BLBS coach now leading his own group. He he told me before he became a, a coach uh, within our organization, he said, I'm, I'm a better husband, actually, and a better father now. And that was just, that was such a cool experience, you know? Yeah, that's so true. That's the highest level of transfer right there. Oh, I think we're... We're cutting in and out a little bit, but um, it is actually time for us to believe to wrap this up. So, uh, so is there anything else I, I'm going to ask you, you know, you, you like to wrap up with your specific questions. Um, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if everyone's ever put it back to you. What, what would you put up on a billboard? I love to just tell people that they're worth it. Right. Mm-hmm. So however you want to consider that, you know, sometimes sometimes leaders, if you think about me in the mastermind, they have to say, am I worth it? Because they're so used to giving, giving, giving to others. But even if you're not thinking about like the mastermind, just like whatever you're considering, you know, uh, just know that you're you're worth it, you know. And so invest in yourself. Um, that's that's the message I love putting on invest there. Invest in yourself. I like that. That's true. Um, and, you know, I would ask you, what, tell me about your ideal learning environment, but I would say you're creating it. You, yeah. you, you, you have, you're coming from all these different angles between the mastermind and the public speaking and the, the book and the podcast. You really are now taking this incredible multi-pronged approach to be able to reach people everywhere. Right. But uh, anything else, though, that you've got, like, thinking about in the future? TV show, something along those lines? <laughs> no, 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 I don't. <laughs> the vision is so big for what I'm doing right now, that's enough to focus on, right? And so it's like, who are the right people, you know, to get around me to help realize that vision is really what I'm thinking about. And I'm very, very honored and thankful that, a lot of the coaches that are leading these cohorts are definitely the right people, amazing people. And then I have Laura and Abby behind the scenes doing stuff and Dragon with the podcast, Christina with the uh, show notes. And we'll keep adding to that team, you know. So there's there's big impact to be made. And school leaders are my kind of people. The other thing that was reflected back to me is a lot of these type of organizations, you know, curriculum, intervention, evaluation, SEL, right? But who does stuff that's just really focused on leadership mm. and, and, and the leader's quality of life in their soul, you know, like that's that's where I play. And so uh, it's a it's a fun place to be. That's great. I've been so so honored to be able to uh, do this interview with you, Danny. Thanks so much for allowing me to come back and put you on the hot seat. Hey, thanks for pitching the idea. I wouldn't you know, want to do it with anybody else. So thank, thank you so, so much. Sure. It's my pleasure. And uh, to all those ruckus makers out there, keep your eye on Danny. He's going places. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. 
you can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Thank you.